welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. In today's podcast, we feature an episode from Ask a Painter Live with Nick Slavic. In this episode, Nick is up early to talk with us about updates in his painting business, as well as the importance of yearly planning. All right, guys. Special early morning edition of the Ask a Painter Live show. You guys can ask any questions you want, any comments, any topics you want. You're catching me uh, during kind of a flow state in the morning. So I'm an early morning guy. I get up at 4 a.m. so that I can have evenings with my family. I've always been a morning guy. So you're catching me at kind of peak efficiency here. Uh, Between about 4.30 and 6.30 is when I've got just enough coffee, just enough energy. I've I've started accomplishing and checking things off in the day. And this is kind of a sweet spot for me. And we're in the war room. It's quiet. It's dark. Uh, My family's still sleeping in there. They'll probably be getting for school early. But this this is a beautiful, quiet place where I get a lot of work done. In the summer, we open up all these windows here and I can hear the crickets, I can hear the frogs, and we see the lightning bugs outside and it's a wonderful thing. So today, I'm going to talk to you about basically an update of where my company stands right now. This is a time of year where I do lots of introspection, lots of planning, and I'm going to share with you some of my thoughts about planning and, and how I schedule things and how I think about this time of the year and then next time of the year. We're live on Instagram as well. You guys are not going to be treated to the same um, sort of thing that Facebook is. I'm going to be doing some screen shares. I'm going to be sharing my planning stuff, my org chart, things like that. If you guys want to go see that stuff, go back to Facebook and see that. Uh, That'll be fun. So PCA, the Painting Contractors Association, they've been big fans from the start for five years. They have partnered with me on this show. They believed in me when nobody else watched this stuff. Good morning, Paul Rafferty. Uh, Good to see you early morning. Um, so what are we thinking about with the PCA right now? Um, I got deputized to do a bunch of master's classes around the country. We've done over a dozen now in in a dozen different cities and it's been awesome. I'll be in Tennessee this weekend. If anybody wants to come see me there, that is a free class that doesn't happen very often, but we are offering free class. So if you want to show up in Tennessee, I'll be debuting a brand new master's class on how I built a world-class leadership team. I'll give you all the data, all the stats, all the comp plans, all how we recruit, how we retain everything else. Now, what are we thinking about with the PCA right now? Um, Expo, the expo, the exposition is the big yearly activity. We did not have one last year. So it's going to be 24 months, two calendar years since we really got together in a big form. If you guys have not been to an expo before, I will tell you, it's one of the most inspirational events you could possibly go to. It's uh, the first week of March. And the main bulk of it happens Wednesday through Friday. Um, People start showing up uh, Tuesday night. There's usually a big reception party. And uh, oh, Mr. Zach Kenny, how's it going, man? Uh, I thought Zach Kenny slept in later than this. That's awesome. Good to see you up early today, Zach. (laughs) Um, So the expo is going to be great. There will be guys like Zach Kenny here uh, to present. Uh, He'll be on boards. He'll be on things like that. It's basically crazy, crazy three days of member-driven content, some of the best educational seminars you're ever going to get. There's a monster trade show, Graco, Titan, Sherwin, Benjamin Moore, all our our friends, 
huge trade show booths, lots of free stuff to give away, industry awards, I'll actually be, be bringing my entire leadership team. So if you want to meet any of these people, you're going to get to spend uh, multiple days with them uh, in Orlando uh, this March. So we're just going through the logistics right now of getting everybody hotels, flights, and registration and stuff. I would love to see you guys. So <laughs> that's awesome. So, all right, folks. Um, uh, Jorn Vanderberg, want to see a Dutch painter at work? I would, except with Live, I don't have the ability to pull you up right now, Jorn. Uh, we will definitely do that another time. I would love that. So, um, so if you guys are interested, the PCA, go to their website, register for the expo. It is a monster, monster, just like Zach Kenny said. You're going to be around possibly three to 500 of the highest level thinkers in our industry. So, um, Okay, here we go. Uh, status of my company. Um, I have been on a wild ride over the last couple of months here. The Ask a Painter live show has come from Brazil. It's come from all sorts of random places because I've had a crazy, crazy travel schedule. Um, I am going to have a little more of a crazy travel schedule. So you're, that's why you're getting a 6 a.m. Central Ask a Painter live show on a, what the heck is it, Wednesday. <laughs> And there will be another Ask a Painter live show, most likely tomorrow, uh, with a special paint demo, which I haven't done in a while, because I'll be traveling to Tennessee, and then it will be deer season again. Uh, this is deer week, uh, first rifle season in Minnesota, so uh, we've been out there in the field trying to hunt some deer. Um, thank you guys for allowing this odd, abnormal schedule, but again, family, business, and then all the other PCA stuff and the master's classes that we have, it's uh, it's quite a wild ride here. So. Um, Status of the company. Haven't done one of these in a while. It's been a wild couple of years, folks. Um, November and December is usually introspection time for me, where we've we craft a plan for the next year. We start implementing what that actually looks like to hit it, and then usually in November and December every year, I I actually start working on that plan so that on January first we're actually enacting that plan. If you have a plan to grow or to change or to improve something, and you start it on January one. I believe you're already behind. And that's, I, I've been at fault with that for a lot of years. It's like, hey, listen, let's just get through this year and we'll start that plan next time. We are already behind. So I'm going to show you exactly how I planned, what I planned, and then how we go about uh, meeting that goal. Now, status of the company right now. Over the past, basically, for those of you who don't know, if you've been to a master's class, you've heard my whole backstory, my whole thing there. For the last five or six years, we've been on a tear to professionalize and grow and improve this company. Um, in about 2016, uh, I had three employees working for me and they all left on one Friday night for great reasons. They all went on to do great things and, and I'm happy for them, but also very sad as a business owner that I lost all my production in one Friday night, five or six years ago. People think I've been in this industry 29 years. I've owned a business for 14 years. They think that this is a 29 year journey. This has basically been a five year journey, give or take. And if I'm honest, I've really only been intentional, maybe three years. So what do you see now? The shop the people, the vans, the, the social media stuff. That's all happened in the last couple of years. We have been very, very intentional about throwing a hand in as a team and growing this business. So now what, is the, what does the company look like? So sort of easy to quantify, give or take. Uh, we are basically employing the equivalent of about 35 people. Now, my company has, obviously our main flagship is our W2 employee painters, which are the most amazing thing you've ever seen out in action. We have a leadership team of two production people, 
one estimator, soon to be another one, a coordinator and a shop manager. Um, and then we have subcontracting. We have an internal drywall and carpentry division, which uh, I say division because they technically are a division, but really they're just a couple people and a couple people. Uh, and they only support our painters. We're not out there doing siding and windows and roofs and all that stuff. And we're not doing drywall and new houses. We've brought those things in-house so that we can facilitate our painters. So they can, uh, other contractors relying on them to get in there to do the work before us doesn't work very well. So what we do is uh, get our own people in there, schedule it really tight and get it moving. And then we started subcontracting about a year and a half ago. So we do have a bunch of uh, trusted subcontractors to help us with the work, to allow us more time to train our W-2s. And it's been a great partnership because W-2s, employee painters, my apprentices and craftspeople do things that, that subs cannot. And subs do things that my craftspeople and apprentices do not. So it's almost like this great little like, you know, conjoining there. Uh, it's a wonderful thing. So when you look at our, uh, a lot of times subcontracting companies have a hard time, you know, they'll go to uh, somebody with a very large subcontracting company and say, how many people you got? Say, well, kind of hard to, <laughs> kind of hard to explain. I can give you a round number. So, but if you look at my company right now, uh, basically we employ about 35 people, give or take, if you include subs, uh, if you include a leadership team, uh, we have about eight, eight to nine seasonal people that we kind of half count because they only spend a, a couple year, a couple months of the year with us. And uh, I'm going to basically show you now uh, what we have going on. And a lot of the times data plus feelings, right? Uh, you guys know that that's what I'm all about. I like to make data driven decisions, but a lot of them, they're based on feelings. Um, sometimes market rate is a feeling. Sometimes the feeling of if you should grow or not is only a feeling and you got to put some data to it to see if it's a good idea. So I'm going to share with you. I'm going to see if I can't get myself small. There we go. Okay. Now I'm going to see if I can get rid of the on-screen stuff here too. There we go. So you guys can see it. So a lot of times what I like to do is apply data to my feelings and we'll say, uh, uh, probably eight times a year, I redo my org chart as we add people, remove people, things like this, just to see where we're at. I like a visual representation of my goals. And one of my goals is to have enough people to support the demand. Now, people think sometimes people grow businesses because of ego or for stunt, because it's just fun to say you have a lot of people. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in a freedom machine, which creates a certain amount of freedom, both financially, spiritually, um, you know, um, time-wise uh, for myself and my family. And I'm growing a business because certain size businesses can offer things to its employees, to its clients that other businesses can't. And number one is uh, service and pay. We can pay our people a lot more than most painting companies can because we know our numbers and we're, we do profitable work. We can also give them full benefits like a real company, like a Target or a Best Buy or a Walmart. We have health insurance. We have retirement. We have paid time off. Arguably, we have a better suite of benefits than a lot of big Fortune 500 companies because we can, because we're profitable. And that's the benefit of having a larger business. What you guys need to know is that I am probably somewhere between six months and 12 months away from what I would consider a fully professionalized business that is sellable. Now, I want you to be careful when I say sellable, I'm not selling this business. I will be involved with this business till the day I die. But a business that's sellable is a sign of professionalized, uh, is a sign of a professional business. A sign of a professionalized business is that it's an asset that you can sell it. The main litmus test for that is, does your business rely on you, the owner? And I've had a bunch of tests over the last little bit. 
right now we have a minimally viable uh, product where I went to Brazil for two weeks and my company needed nothing from me. Absolutely nothing from me. The last key to uh, basically getting myself out of the business, but then circling around and choosing to be in the business in the way I want was first hiring people to paint, uh, to do the work for me uh, and with me, then hiring production staff to schedule the jobs, hire paint, uh, buy paint, do logistics for the company, and then do quality checks and then correspond with clients. Then I hired away the estimating duties to Estimator Andy. Everybody knows and loves Estimator Andy. Um, and then the last thing that I was doing in the company, the, the last, I shouldn't say the last thing I was doing, I'm involved in the vision side and the planning side and the accountability and the culture side. But the last nuts and bolts, like day-to-day -day operation that I was doing uh, was the admin and the coordinator position. I call it a coordinator. It's more of that. Most people call it an admin or an office staff. But basically, I was the admin of, of my own company. And uh, that was the last thing where if I disappeared, you know, there's a big disconnect between when somebody wants a painting job and goes through my website for a lead. And then when our, it's scheduled for our estimate, breakdown number one was I was that person scheduling those leads for my own estimator. And that needed to stop if we wanted to have a business that runs without me and, and a, a more stable business for my employees and my clients. And we hired a coordinator, an awesome coordinator, Carly, and she is absolutely doing world-class work, amazing person. And she's basically assumed the last bit of day-to-day -day operations that I have. So now my plan in the next six to 12 months is to not not work. That is not interesting to me. It's now do what I'm good at, which is the visioning side of this business and the culture appropriation side of this. So I plan on doing a complete end around and then going back to my W-2s and subs and then doing world-class training, culture appreciation, culture improvement, and making sure that the connection that we lost during COVID is reinvigorated with the business. This is what I'm here to do. This is how I can bring the most benefit to my company. And that's what I plan to do. And basically these charts are an example of that. So quick little short history. I'm gonna take a drink of coffee. Uh, this is going to be a very special Ask a Painter because this is this is the time of day that my brain fires the most efficiently and the clearest. And uh, so this is basically where we're at right now. <sighs> Two years ago, we did about just under a million uh, dollars. And then 2020 hit. 2019, we did about a million, give or take. Uh, 2020 uh, was the year that we were going to push the pedal down and we were going to go from 1 million to 2 million. And then uh, after quarter one, if, if you guys can all remember, we had a little uh, we had a little COVID. We had a little global pandemic. And if that wasn't enough, we had political and uh, social unrest in Minneapolis. Then we had uh, material shortages. And then we're entering into something that some people believe was a labor shortage. And it just kept piling on one another. Now, that being said, my plan, because we do data plus feelings, the feelings were the zombie apocalypse is here, right? And why even do business? Just fold it up, be done, just moving on. But I knew based on the data and based on my feelings that doing all of the unsexy things, all of the mundane things, the basic nuts and bolts of business would be the way through a year of unknowns, COVID. And we did, we buckled down we refined our job costing process, we set goals, we aligned goals, we adjusted comp plans, and we made sure that every single person performance and money was tied to basically two other divisions of the company. That meaning we all put a hand in and we were all improved like that. Now, that got us through in a great way. We actually grew 40, 
uh, in 2020. So we were, again, we were aiming to double the size of the company, 1 million to 2 million. We did fall short of that, but we did grow 47% and we bought a commercial facility uh, to move our finishing operation and training operation into. Now, the feelings is why would you ever leverage yourself in debt if <laughs> there's a global pandemic going on? I had this sneaky competitive advantage, which is the data. The data proved that it was actually a good time to buy commercial real estate. And we did. And, and that's the Slavic shop. You can actually follow along and see that. Now, coming off that year, we thought, you know what? We're going to finish rounding out the leadership team. So then I hired an uh, estimator. Uh, we got another project manager. And then I hired a coordinator. And we basically set ourselves up to do, uh, my goal is between 2 and 2.1 million for this year. Uh, and when I talk about these numbers, these are not cold-hearted calculations of money and things like that. This is me growing this company to a size so that I can actually help the clients that want us to do something. We turn away, even at this size, we turn away lots of clients because we can't get them an estimate in time or we can't get their paint job done in time. And that's heartbreaking to me because we are a good company. We will definitely break ourselves to make sure that our clients are taken care of. And there are not a lot of other companies out there like, no, I shouldn't say that. There are other companies out there like that, but there's a very good chance that if a client does not use us and they just randomly pick another painting company, it's a good chance that you're going to get an unprofessionalized company that may be unscrupulous. I want to help more people. I want my employees to have the ability of upward mobility and growth and all that. That only happens if we grow a larger company. So my goal was two to 2.1 million this year. And as of right now, we have already uh, put on the books 1.95 million. We have about 66K in uh, accounts receivable. Uh, and we still have seven weeks left. Uh, and if we go by our average, we'll probably put down another uh, 250 to 320K, which means that our upward adjusted goal is probably 2.316 million for this year, which would mean we almost added a million dollars of revenue uh, this year. So it's a great, great, great thing. Um, hats off to all of my apprentices and craftspeople. This is this is where it gets done. Uh, my leadership team is throwing uh, a hand in there, and uh, it's a wonderful thing to watch. I'm just here to guide accountability and make sure that the culture of this company is strong. And uh, yeah, I'm very proud of my people. Now, planning for next year. Let's see. We got do, 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 do. yeah. So. Now, what do we do for next year? So I got a bunch of weird data points that I'm putting together. So there are benchmarks in this industry, which is, you know, a painter produces $100,000 of revenue, an estimator should be able to sell a million, a production manager should be able to manage about a million. That's a nice, clean math equation, right? You got 10 painters, one estimator, one production manager. That's a beautiful little silo or unit or pod. Now, here's the problem. <laughs> We're successful. And we coach up our people in a world-class way. So now our painters produce a little more than that, between 100 and 120K, sometimes 130K per year. Our estimator sells 2 million. And our production managers currently can produce about 1.5 million a year, upwardly coaching to about 2 million a year. So now we have this displaced sort of math problem where it's not a clean 10 painters, one estimator, one production manager. So our theory is right now that I've assembled a team over the last couple months here that is capable of probably $3 million without any more budging. Like we already have that stuff. Um, the only missing piece we have are a few painters, which I'm in a heavy hiring uh, uh, process right now, and one more estimator. And uh, my goal is to fill out this org chart that you guys are seeing on Facebook right now um, by the end of the year. So basically, uh, my goal is to bring on another uh, five to seven to eight painters, give or take, and an estimator. 
uh, I was supposed to have a coordinator and admin on there, but that's, we just filled that earlier than I thought. So basically I got a lot of recruiting to do by the end of the year. Um, for those of you who have seen my master's classes, I can actually tell you how much time and how much money it takes to recruit. And uh, basically it takes 50 hours of my time uh, over the course of, you know, somewhere between one to two weeks uh, to get somebody or something into this company to do that. So basically I'm staring down the barrel of lots of work by the end of the year, but that's my job and I'm happy to do it. So uh, basically what you guys are seeing here is the org chart on Facebook, which is something where I lay out my goals and then I actually look to fill in the places and it shows me on a visual representation of what I need to do to meet my goals. And I, I kind of do a, um, I follow traction a little bit. I, 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 again, business books are kind of gross to me, but there is value in, in some books and I take away little bits and pieces from it. So I'm going to hide my org chart, but basically we have a company that I believe uh, is capable of about 3 million. So I set our goal at 3 million this next year, and I'm going to show you how I come up with this stuff. So this is, I'm going to move this up and down a little bit here. So um, if you follow traction, there's something called the VTO, the vision traction organizer. This is basically, if we had to sum up the whole traction or EOS process, it's basically a systematic way for you to be forced to come to grips with what needs to be done to hit your goals. A lot of people, uh, what I see as in most businesses, this isn't just the painting industry, a lot of people will have a goal and then they'll just say, boy, it'd be nice to, to reach that. I'm just going to work hard. That is not a way you hit a goal. That is not a way you hit a goal. You have to be intentional about hitting it. So one of the most beautiful things that traction does is you can see this, you start laying out some, let's make sure that this is translating. Yep. There we go. Traction forces you to start with a 10 year goal and then move it back to a three year goal and then back to a one year goal. And then it makes you actually go down to the quarter to the week and then to the day. So the most beautiful thing that traction does is 10 years. Where do you want to be? It'll basically force you to back it up all the way to tomorrow. What needs to be done tomorrow in order to hit that goal? Now, this doesn't just apply to growing a business. If you're a single person painter, a solopreneur, and never plan on growing, this is something you should still do. Being intentional about your goals, forcing to come uh, to grips with that stuff is a great thing. So basically, traction starts with core values. And you can see my core values, uh, my core values up here. And then it forces you to come to terms with core focus. You write down a purpose, you write down a niche, a 10 year target, kind of the overarching big hairy goal, give or take. There's a marketing strategy. Who are your clients? What's unique about your company? You gotta have a unique value proposition. What's your proven process? I mean, you, it, it forces you to write down some things that you assume are there, but when you have to write them down, they become real. And I would always argue that, you know, when we talk about standard operating procedures and things, people say, yeah, we got SOPs in our company. It's like, good, send me a copy. They're like, well, everybody just knows what they're doing. I will argue, I will argue that if it's not written down, it doesn't exist. And so that's why I write this stuff down. It now exists and you have to come to terms with it. The other fault that business leaders do and business owners do is you don't share this. You need to share this with people. And I've been at fault with that for longer than I have not been at fault with that. So I would say I share this readily with my team. I actually ask for input on this stuff. Um, so then it breaks it down to a three-year picture, which you see here, which I, I bump out to January uh, 2024. And then it makes it go even farther, which is you're going to break it down to one year, 
you're going to do quarterly rocks, and then you're going to have an issue list. An issue list is basically do this now in order to complete your rocks, complete your rocks in order to complete your one-year plan. When I started aligning all of our comp plans, all of our planning, all the goals for the company, and giving people individual goals to accomplish, micro goals in order to get the macro goal or the superordinate goal, that's when we really started clicking. And this year is the perfect example of that. So this is a... Um, this is a uh, exercise to help you come to terms with this and help you actually say, I hear that one of the biggest come to Jesus moments that I see people have is when they say, hey, listen, in five years, I want to be a $10 million company. It's like, okay, well, here's some of the numbers you're going to have to come to terms with. Uh, if you're going to be a $10 million company, you're probably going to need at least 100 field employees, technicians out in the field. In 10 years, that means you're going to basically have to hire, train, and retain 10 a year. If attrition rate is 30%, you're basically going to have to hire, train, and retain 30 painters a year in order to meet your 10 painter goal there. So what does that mean when it says you have to basically hire and train 30 painters a year for 10 years? If you break that down by quarter, what is that? Eight, nine painters, seven, eight painters a quarter? You're going to basically have to hire basically somebody every nine days and train them every nine days for the next 10 years in order for you to meet their goal. Those are numbers that you're going to have to come to terms with. People always think, yeah, we'll just hire and it'll be there and we'll get there eventually. But when you actually have to come face to face with that number, it makes you rethink the goals sometimes. Sometimes they're too low. Sometimes they're too high. Sometimes it lets you know what lies ahead of you so that you can not be surprised by it uh, when it happens. So that's basically the main document. I then put that because this is kind of like just words, black and white words. I need visual representations. So then what I do is I put that back into this document, which is the org chart, which I do some of the numbers right here, but then I actually fill this out. And when I see a blank bubble, that's a sign like, hey, Nick, that's a goal that you need to get. And then we start making out rocks from that. So now on a micro level, how does this all work, right? So you got this 10-year goal, you got a three-year goal, you got a one-year goal, you got rocks, quarterly rocks, you got issues. Now, if you all write this down and then don't do anything about it, it's not useful. So now you actually got to get traction to the ground, which is the theme of the book. This is an excerpt, uh, what I'm showing on Facebook right now, of my leadership team meeting. Uh, every Monday morning, non-negotiable, my leadership team will meet, and they have to actually stand up in front of the rest of the leadership team and basically update if they're on track or off track uh, with their goals from the last week. We rate the business and we track data based on a weekly basis. Um, that's the smallest reliable unit that we can use to make data-based decisions. You can do daily, but it's hard to sometimes equate and uh, a quantified daily production. So week seems a lot better. Now, what you're seeing is two of my production people. Um, what I found very useful in my company is a low goal and a high goal. Low goal is you must produce this. You must do this number. And everybody should have a number, by the way. You must do this. But then that's not good enough for me. I don't want to coach to a low goal, to the medium, to the, to the average. We coach to a high goal, which is much higher. So our people, they must produce at a minimum $20,000 of painting work a week. We also want 90% of the jobs to be at a certain gross profit level. Now, that's fine. That's good. You've now crossed over the low bar now, but we coach to 35K, uh, 35K a week. And uh, it's a wonderful thing to see the production people do that. Now, the other thing is we don't want to beat people up. We take a mentorship approach to this thing. So when one of my production people or even estimator Andy, he has to do this too. Carly, coordinator, Car coordinator Carly needs to do this. Shop manager Brandon needs to do this. I need to do this. I have the same thing and I need to report to my entire company if I was on track or off track this last week. Everybody needs a number. 
it needs to be a yes or no. You either did it or you didn't. A goal every week of saying you need to work really hard is not something quantifiable. It's a feelings-based decision. So what you need to do is you have to have numbers where they either accomplished it or they didn't. The soft mentorship approach is if somebody doesn't hit one of those numbers, what we don't do is fire them. What we do is we like, listen, we got the world-class leadership team here. We got world-class painters out there. Let's all figure this out together. Why wasn't that number hit? What prevented you? If you if you could change one thing last week in order to hit that number, what would it have been? And then we come to a conclusion. And then we come with a plan. Well, listen, if that was the case, can we do anything about it this week in order to move that number? And we work together as a team to do that. It's inclusive, not exclusive. It's a family environment. It's a coaching and mentoring environment. So we want people to hit these goals. So that's basically how we do it. And that's a weekly thing. So what you're doing, you've just seen the progression of tenure, three-year, one-year, quarterly, weekly, and then issues of the day. And this, what you're seeing on Facebook right now, is how we get micro goals met so that it trickles up into our subordinate and macro goals uh, in the company. Now, this is a lot of work, right? What you're seeing is a lot of effort. It's, it's a little bit complex. I'm a huge fan of simplicity. I've built this up over about five years. So we started very simple. And then we started adding complexity as we had the bandwidth to do it. And that's basically how we progress through this stuff. Um, so theoretically, the owner of the company should usually be the visionary of the company. Um, the visionary is a gross word. I don't like to say that because it implies some um, grandiosity to it. Basically, a visionary is basically just a long-term planner. On my painter's job description, apprentices and craftspeople, it does not say the long-term planning of the company is your responsibility. On my coordinator, production people, or estimating staff, it does not say the long-term planning of the company. This falls to the owner, whether you want to or not. Just so happens that it's the thing that I love the most and I'm probably the best at and can probably contribute the most to the company. So this is things that I get tons of energy from. I physically block off a lot of November and then almost all of December for things that I call ideation, which is I need to physically just contemplate. I need to check all my numbers. I need to actually sit and think and close my eyes and try to imagine what it feels like to go from 2 million to 3 million, what it's going to be. We're going to have to add 10 more field employees in there. Are we going to have enough time to interact with them? What does that look like? How many vans? How much tools? Logistically, how many calls and emails a week? What does this look like? What does this feel like? And then you can start assuming and internalizing that goal. So you're not just like numbers on a paper. We're just going to hit them, this and that. I need to feel it, data plus feelings. So that's basically what I do now. I start laying out goals, quarterly goals for everybody as well. Everybody on the leadership team and every one of my apprentices and craftspeople has a quarterly goal that all feeds up into the superordinate goal. And uh, I start laying those out, planning those in the future. Now, I get, it's a lot of fun to do this stuff for me. I understand that it drains some people. That is not your forte. Um, my advice to you would be just like anything else, like diet and exercise, like homework, like scraping a barn, some things aren't as fun as other things. But if you don't do it, whose responsibility is it going to be? So I would say, I would challenge the self-selecting <laughs> big thinkers that watch Ask a Painter. Actually do some planning. Even if you only do one year, what's your goal for, last, for, for next year? You, that's all reliant on you having numbers from this year. Then what has to happen in the four quarters next year to hit that goal? Then based on that, what has to happen in the 52 weeks of that year? And then based on that, 
you can break it down to the micro things. What needs to be solved in order to hit these things? Sometimes people get freaked out when they come face to face with the numbers. I find great comfort in it because it's like it breaks out this 10 year goal, which is this monstrous thing that sometimes you don't even know how it feels into a simple thing you can do tomorrow in order to accomplish it, a bite sized goal. That to me is very comforting. I absolutely love that feeling, that feeling of that, because it's like, oh yeah, if I just do this tomorrow, we're already succeeding. We're already on our way to the goal. Now you got to be consistent. You got to have that little bit of grit and you got to have info. That's what I'm here for. I'm, I'm ha uh, happy to share any of this stuff that you guys want. Um, but yeah, this is a very fun time for me because December uh, is a large, large ideation. I love to sit back and close my eyes and think through the deep things that need to be thought about for this company, uh, especially personnel stuff and culture and how we can create a world-class culture. So, all right, folks. Um, that's about it for Ask a Painter today. Uh, I'll be traveling to Tennessee later this week to see some of my favorite people in the industry, Matt and Maggie Kuiper. Uh, they run Harpeth Painting, and they are inspirational humans, and they have an inspirational business. And I'm going down there, yes, to give some master's classes, but I'm going down there to learn as well. So if you guys need anything else from me, please let me know. Otherwise, please, folks, look into the PCA Expo. Two data points I can give you. I believe the biggest value proposition that the PCA, the Painting Contractors Association has is the in-person events because the second data point is I've been to many, 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 many over the last five or six years. Never once have I seen somebody walk away anything less than inspired. I've never once seen a human walk away from a PCA event saying, yeah, it's good. Every single time people walk away saying, deep breath. I took 1100 pages of notes. I had drinking from the fire hose. I'm going back. I'm inspired. I even have one of my greatest friends in the industry, Nick Lagrasso, uh, who's a painter from uh, Missouri. I talked to him and I always ask him, I like his input because he's a big outgoing gregarious guy. I love him. And every time without fail, I say, Nick, how was it, man? At the end of these things, what, what'd you, what's your takeaway? And he's like, this gives me enough fuel to want to be a painter and a business owner for another year. I will get by on these fumes, on this energy, on this inspiration for another year because of the people I interacted with and because of the information I got. So if nothing else, you're going to meet some of the most world-class inspirational people in the industry. It's not a coincidence that I told you guys five or six years ago is when I reset my business. All this came of it. Guess when I got involved with the PCA? <laughs> five or six years ago, and I met inspirational people, some which are watching this show right now, some which I saw in Chicago last week. I was, I was in a room with probably four people that were the first four people to put their arms around me in the industry saying, hey, fresh face guy, what are, what are you about? Where are you from? Let's talk. I was also in a room with, I don't think this has ever happened before, or at least in a whole bunch of years. There were three recipients of the Craftsman of the Year Award all in one room together. Uh, there was uh, two other guys and myself, which uh, was pretty cool. We didn't we didn't happen to take a picture. We realized it too late, but uh, that's a special thing. So even at small events, you can be around some of the most inspirational people you could possibly be around. It's a wonderful thing. So thank you, everybody. I'm hitting flow state here this morning. I got plenty of coffee. We got the monitor set up. I'm about ready to uh, do a little bit of spreadsheet work. I'm heavily into recruiting. I did a whole bunch of phone interviews yesterday. Going to do them again today, organizing all that. Uh, it's 6.30 in a half an hour, my main company. 
will be up and running and in the field and doing stuff. So we're awaiting the messages from Slack and looking to support our people. So thank you, everybody, for the nice early morning session. I love these things, the cool, the dark, the quiet, uh, things like this. I'm glad you guys could watch along. And uh, we will see you probably in a couple days here for another Ask a Painter Live. Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.